0: up world so pass first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts today's episode is a very special one we're joined by brian kalbroski a writer at hoops hype and the editor of usa today's mba wire brian thanks for joining us
1: yeah thank you thank you so much for having me man i um i went to school in oregon so uh, I've got a lot of interest in in the in the sports in the Portland and surrounding areas as well, and uh, obviously I have a ton of friends who who still follow uh, the Trail Blazers specifically, you know, very closely. So I always like to keep my pulse specifically on uh, the Blazers a little bit more than I do, uh, you know, the rest of the other teams in the league because uh, a lot of a lot of folks around me certainly care about them too.
0: Well, good. That, we're ha- lucky to have you on Locked On Blazers. Then, if you're keeping a special eye on the Fighting Pinwheels. Um you're you're an NBA draft guy. You've been pumping out fantastic draft content both at at, at USA Today's NBA wire and at Hoops Hype. You guys should check him out. At uh Brian Kalbrowski on Twitter, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you can uh win the lottery of how to spell it, then you can check out my stuff for free. Listen,
0: it's gonna be linked in the this if you were listening to this, it's in the description of this episode. Find it out, find that sweet, sweet draft content. But as someone who plugs into the draft, Brian, like I have heard from people who know more about this and who follow more about this, and I've been hearing this for ten months, is that this is a quote unquote bad draft. Do you agree, like with that assessment? When since you've been you know digging into this, yeah. At this point, I almost
1: want you know this clipped out because I'm trying to tell everybody I'm in the in the basketball space like you've heard it's a bad draft. It doesn't make it actually a bad draft. Um, I know that that sounds obvious and silly and like a little bit like philosophical but it's like at the end of the day what's happening right now is people are um, frustrated that there isn't necessarily a clear consensus favorite for who the top players are and I don't think there's a generational talent in this class but that makes sense as generational talents come along once every generation that's kind of the point of what it means. Um, yeah,
0: that seems to be right.
1: And, you know, I think that there have been classes in the past. Um, we've been spoiled recently, specifically, you know, with going getting going from Luca and Trey Young um, to Zion Williamson and John Morant. Um, there there aren't necessarily players of that caliber in this class. That doesn't make it a bad draft. And that doesn't mean you should start punting on your draft coverage either. Um, there is a ton of guys in this draft who I think are going to be um, pros pros for a very long time uh, there's a lot of guys who I believe in um, who can stick around 10-15 years in this league um, there's some guys who have elite skills uh, there's some guys who have elite character whatever whatever it might be um, there, there's plenty of reason to believe in many of the people uh, who are eligible in this year's class um, I don't think it's necessarily as top heavy as last year's draft. Before the draft before that, or what next year's draft projects to look like with Cade Cunningham coming out, um, and it's probably not quite as deep either. But there's a lot of parity. I think that there's um, there's players probably in the 20 to 40 range who could go anywhere between that, you know. Um, sure. And I think there's guys in the 30 to 60 range that could go anywhere from first round to undrafted. I think that there's going to be a lot of folks who weren't able to really separate themselves. Um, who maybe could have if they had had um, something like a you know a regular season um, where they could have maybe had a chance to actually play in March Madness or whatever it might be um, mm-hmm. to have continued boost their stock and make them seem like the special players they are. So now you have to just assume the guy you're talking to if you feel he's special actually is special. Um, and, you know, you start to fall in love with certain players in this process. You know, there are guys who are getting multiple interviews with teams. Obviously, that's starting to happen. Um, you know, whatever, uh, whenever this kind of comes around, you know, you want to you want to find the guy that makes the most sense for you. Um, and I think that there are going to be players that are going to help teams in this class. Uh, and I think there are guys that are going to be undrafted free agents that are going to have NBA careers in this class as well. So it's like, listen, if you... You can find guys on the undrafted free agent market. Like, how bad could the class have really been? I mean, they're going to be contributors.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the bad draft is like there's no guy, there's no sort of all-star, surefire all-star here, but... Uh, if you draft in the outside of the top seven and you draft a dude who plays in the league a long time, you did a good job, right? <laughs> like you, that's, that's sort of the goal of the draft is to find NBA players. Right. So, and you
1: know, one, one thing on that note too, is just that Yonason Santo de was drafted in what was considered to be the worst draft of our last decade, you know, like, he was in that class. He just didn't go in the lottery, you know.
0: Um, right, and that and that class included Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams and uh, CJ McCollum, and it's just like there's a there were a bunch of dudes drafted a little bit later who are long term starters in the league.
1: Yeah, and I think it's pretty obvious to me that the best player in this class could very easily be one that's picked outside of the lottery, even. Um, but I don't.
0: Oh, that's good news for the old pinwheels at 16. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get Giannis. You heard it here first, folks. This I guaranteed to pick Giannis on to That is the Brian Kabrowski
1: lock of the day.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, Neil. O'Shea. Um, are there speaking of that? Are there NBA ready dudes in this draft? Is there anyone in this draft who's going to be a like a real contributor on a decent team day one? Do you see some guys who are NBA ready? Just some names to know.
1: Yeah, um, I would say Onyeka Congu out of USC is probably the most uh-huh. NBA ready that I that I saw, uh, because you can't really play him off the floor with his defense yet. He's just so productive at every level, you know, um, won a national title uh, in high school with Lonzo Ball and Ball and Angela Ball at Chino Hills his freshman year. Uh, ended up becoming twice a two-time winner of California Mr. Basketball. Uh, played really well at USC. He's efficient. Um, I think people might be a little confused with Onyeka, though, because I think that they're starting to call him the next Bam Adebayo, and I don't think that that's necessarily a fair analysis because Bam Adebayo is a lot more of a playmaker um right you know when calipari uh had them working out for nba teams coming into the nba draft they had him do guard drills not to have him play guard but to show him that he could have guard skills at the next level um so i think in that sense uh you know that's just not something that's necessarily in Anyeka's uh toolkit yet um i think he's much closer to like a montrez harrell nene kenneth farid you know like energy guy in the front court um who's going to be scrappy, get you a ton of boards, you know, make high efficiency looks uh, near the basket. Um, you know, Tristan Thompson, another guy that comes to mind who just, you sure. know, has found a way to be in the rotation for a long time. And I think that that's exactly what Anyeka is. Uh, I don't know if that ever translates to being an all-star, but all those guys are guys that are, were, you know, r ready b early. I mean, Tristan Thompson came in and made an impact pretty fast. And I think that you could probably see a fairly thin with Onyeka. Um I, I think, uh, you know, if you're going to put point to another name, it's got to be Obi Toppin. Uh, the dude is sure. one day younger um, than Jason Tatum. Um, and he's still a projected lottery pick. So, uh, I mean, in terms of his development, he came a little bit later to the game than some of the other folks that we uh, talk about, you know, on this on the circuit. Um, so Obi Toppin um, you know, is still developing. He is still getting better. Um, he's. Definitely going to be able of. I think he's going to be capable of, you know, getting a bucket, uh, you know, in, in the NBA. Uh, he was the most prolific dunker uh, in college basketball last year. I could see him at least, you know, coming in and averaging, you know, upwards of 10 points this rookie year um, and, you know, playing in a rotation. Uh, and then, you know, there, there are other guys that uh, you, you'd hope to see uh, do well in the beginning, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Um because of uh maybe a lack of sample size or maybe a lack of um you know like in the case of james Wiseman, um or you know I, I, yeah just like they're they're guys like you know and uh lamella, lamella ball and uh james Wiseman um and RJ hampton who you know might be because we, but we're but not entirely sure because we haven't necessarily seen him do it yet um is, you, know,
0: you don't think Wiseman's four collegiate games is enough to know if he's good or not, or if he's an NBA player immediately or not? Uh,
1: I, well, I mean, as a, as an Oregon guy myself, I definitely did watch that game with very close eyes, you know, knowing what it was going to be. Um, no, I, I mean, that's like obviously you're you uh, It's a, it's a tough question for Wiseman though, because he might he he actually might be the best player in this class um, in terms of having you know. The physical body um, and the head uh, for this game I think and if you look at the guys in the projected top five right now top four like he's probably um, the closest thing to that package there Um, but you know he's got the right body but I mean not to make a pun but he doesn't have the body of work Uh, and that body of work is a huge part of um, you know what makes somebody draftable and even you know even in high school like he wasn't much of a shooter at all on the AAU circuit, he wasn't much of a passer at all, um, and his scoring and rebounding numbers like weren't lighting the world on fire. Like they wasn't like, oh my god, he's putting up like what in that AAU game? Like in terms of his averages, um, yeah. And you know, he's a good shot blocker, good rim protector. I think he's going to be presumably an NBA, you know, an NBA plus defender. Um, but I don't know if I could say with confidence that he'll be able to do that next year, uh, after not playing competitive basketball for
0: God, um, 20 months, maybe. Yeah. A long time, a long time. Um, Let's come back in the second segment and talk about the Trailblazers. We've kind of got an idea of who who the top players in this draft class, but let's zero in on some options for the Trailblazers as they pick at number 16. But before we get there, I want to tell all my listeners about rockauto.com. Y'all know rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com right now, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. they got everything you need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, the the specifications, and the prices you prefer. And oh, those prices, because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right. So we're still here talking with Brian Kalbroski of USA Today and HoopsHype.com about the NBA draft. We talked about the top players in the draft, some NBA ready guys and the quality that this draft that has maybe been uh maybe not been hyped up as much as it deserves, might might actually have in the in the in the back half of the draft back half of the first round and, and beyond. Which is good news for the Portland Trail Blazers, who pick number sixteen in this draft. Brian, I have I have pegged someone at 16. I think Villanova Sadiq Bey is the top target on my board, considering the Blazers' draft range. Am I right? Am I right to be in on Sadiq? That's exactly right. Um,
1: now, and the thing with Sadiq Bey is uh, I think he's much closer to the Onyeka Kongu type where he's probably an NBA-ready player um, in the beginning. Um, you know, I think he's going to be able to step right in, but I don't know if he's got necessarily that next level um, right. to step it up and be the best player in this class when it's all said and done. Um, I don't know if he's got the overdrive element to him, the same way Onyeka, and I'm not sure if he does or if he doesn't. Um, you know, I think you know you point to guys like Edwards and Wiseman and and Ball. Um, you know, those guys are considered more likely to have that next level up type of factor. So deke is you know not necessarily that guy, but I think he's going to be able to step right away, step in right away, and fill the exact role that Portland needs the most. I mean. You know he's got good positional size at six foot eight. Um, you know he actually hit the most threes of anyone in college basketball of someone six foot eight or taller. Um, you know he he's somebody who can um, is a, just remarkable off the catch. One of the most productive and prolific um, and efficient um, catch and shoot guys in the uh, in the NCAA last year, bar none. And then one thing that I thought was interesting too is just that he actually. Was also one of the most efficient and productive um, overall scorers with a short shot clock. Um, so that kind of proves to me that he's not not afraid of the moment. And as the defense starts to collapse a little bit, um, maybe trying to guard Dame, trying to guard CJ, um, accounting for the big man in the front court, there they dish it back out to the perimeter of Sadiq. I mean, he he can get it off quick, and he can get it off with with the shot clock expiring. He can he can make a count um he doesn't he doesn't mind those big moments and i think that um he's somebody who you know when you watch villanova play like the ball fence isn't running through him so you might not notice him right away but when you start to think about being a star in your role um he's he's the ultimate star in his role right i think that he's he's gonna fit that profile uh in the nba at the nba level as soon as next year um you know i think that you know, he could definitely play a very similar role to what Rodney Hood has done for Portland in the past. Um, but he's younger, and I think he fits, he fits the timeline of winning with Portland well, too, because he's not, you know, 18, 19, you know, like some of the other guys in this class. He's right. got a little bit more maturity to him, too. And, um, you know, I'm also happy to talk about his character as well because, you know, I, I've interviewed Sadiq now and um, got a chance to know him, and um, he's somebody who um, has been on my radar for a while. He wasn't really included on top... 100 big boards for like ESPN and stuff like that at the beginning of the year um, I'm actually gonna check uh, just very right quick. I mean I do a, a monthly like collection of the latest big boards and uh-huh. um, mock drafts to give an overall score um, for a player and in November of 19 right before the season started he was 83 um on that on that list so <laughs> yeah there you um, go he was on my board he was on my radar then and i knew i was like why well, i don't understand villanova has produced so many great per- players over the last several years uh,
0: yeah they just turn out role players in the nba yeah
1: it's just it, it's becoming it's becoming um not a coincidence you know uh i think that you're starting to see um you know a, a, a trend and a factor and i think that a lot of these guys are guys who, who buy in and you know listen to their listen to their coach and um, you know, just gotten better uh, year over year too. I mean, Sadiq's sophomore year, he spent almost twenty of his twenty percent of his possessions on ball um, as the ball handler in a pick and roll possession. Um, you know, the fact that he's able to put guys through um, that, uh, being an on ball guy as well, uh, really speaks volumes to the way that um, Coach Jay Wright Villanova is able to get the most out of his guys as Swiss army knives, um, you know, play them at multiple positions, you know, make them feel that they're capable of guarding one through five and playing one through five, regardless of whether or not that's their actual position. I think that, you know, when Sadiq gets into the NBA, he'll have had that experience, you know, being on ball, um, you know, running the pick and roll. Uh, those are NBA type offenses that you need to know. And he's, he's got that, um, more in his game than other guys who are just pure shooters. Um, and there are plenty of guys in this class who are, are really good shooters, but, you know, sometimes that's how you end up with, um, you know, the next Jimmer, um, for debt, who was a great college sure. shooter, but, you know, what else was he really able to do at the NBA level? I think, you know, at six foot eight, Sadiq can certainly contribute at the NBA level as a, as a decent defender too. He's a big big enough body that he's not going to get, um, worked down there. And, um, you know, he's, he's got some experience playing on ball too. And, um, I think he can uh, be a, a really, really excellent um role player who who fills a need um for uh, Portland, and he's gonna. I think he'll be able to step in and, and hit those clutch shots um you know as soon as next season.
0: So you you had an interview with him on HoopType where he discussed the allegory of the cave. Um, I know that as a Lewis and Clark graduate, that's a, that's right in my liberal arts wheelhouse. But can you kind of walk us through? That interaction, and maybe how rare it is to have NBA prospects talk philosophy openly with you like that.
1: I mean, it's uh, it's beyond rare. It's the only time this has happened.
0: Um, like
1: I, I mean, I studied philosophy a little bit in college as well. Um, definitely one of my favorite subjects. Um, studied a little bit in high school too. It's something that has been on my radar for a while and um you know being a sports writer i'm like i don't really get to flex that muscle very much and it came up in conversation um with uh with sadiq and i was like yo you're gonna have to peel that onion back man like and i (laughs) and he he was like wow i was not expecting to talk about this like give me a second to kind of regroup myself but he didn't even need that second he just started kind of breaking it down um and started talking about uh you know, just the nature of enlightenment, right? And also just uh perception of reality. Like that was sort of, and he, and like, to be very clear, just like as somebody who was on the other guy in this conversation, it wasn't like Kyrie Irving, third eye open type. Beat. Sure. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, and this is why you're wrong. And this is why you guys are all, uh, I'm woke and you're asleep. Like it wasn't like that at all. Like his whole point actually was that everyone just has their own perception of reality and we kind of need to, um, you know, adjust accordingly, you know, in remembering that, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, when the cavemen were in the cave, you could only see their shadows. They didn't know the sun existed. Um, So how could you compare yourself to somebody else when um, at the end of the day, like we're all in very different points in our lives and very different points of reality or different backgrounds. So it was kind of a, the way he tied it back into basketball is by saying that he wasn't really trying to compare himself to others too often, Um, you know, through, through the game. I think he thinks that it makes him uh, overly anxious and, um, you know, overly um, analytical in a way that he doesn't want to be. Um, I think he, you know, he wants to be the best version of himself. I mean, I think that sounds, Cliche, but it, it's true. And I think in that sense, you know, um, we, we see that in him, right? We see, we see Sadiq being, you know, the best version of himself as a role player. He's not coming into the right. league and saying like, I'm the next Steph Curry. I'm the next Kevin Durant, whatever it might be, I guess with him, he probably say closer to KD based on his size, but he's not saying that he, he, and also he's not saying, I want to be the next Rodney Hood either. I think mean, he's like, I want to be the next Sadiq Bay. I mean, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's
0: just appreciating, uh, you know, Plato's uh, view, worldview, as his guiding light for how to how to make the next step in his professional career. And I mean to to speak to that. I mean i've I've
1: interviewed like you know forty prospects this year, um, and I've been on you know the NBA circuit for a while, and I've been interviewing prospects every year in this class. You know, in in each class before this. I, i've never heard an answer like this before uh.
0: yeah it's stunning i mean i read this story and I, I was just like no nah, I, I i know the headline includes the allegory of the cave if you are searching for it on google dear listeners and i'm like well, you know what what is this like let's let's get into this and then he you know he really he really breaks it down it's a stunning thing to see any sort of 20 21 year old um relate to Greek philosophy to their life, much less a someone who needs to be as singularly focused on making the MBA as uh, Sadiq Bey. So it's it was yeah, and also, it's wild.
1: I mean, listen, Nathan Nathan Knight out of William and Mary, um, another you know fantastic academic program, walked back the idea of uh, you know tons of things with me. Like he he, he peeled the onion back on a million things. He, he even runs his own analytics on himself. He has his own. He's a, he was a computer science guy at William and Mary, and um, you know, was able to do a ton of his own research on his own stats and his teammate stats and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, he's a, you know, French top 80 guy, top hundred guy. Um, right. So, and I, I love Nathan Knight and I think that he's going to make the team, a team very happy one day. Um, and it's going to make something, he's going to make them look smart because he's very efficient, good rebounder and all that. But Sadiq also has like an elite NBA skill. Like, like to be that to say all of that while well, like you said while well, also being a top twenty guy like a potential lottery guy, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild and you know he was he was kind of shy in the beginning too like it's not like he came out swinging like um, he came <laughs> off as,
0: came out hitting you with Plato's like I've been reading <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been reading the Republic since uh, you know six a.m. or whatever
1: yeah exactly he came off I don't know like I think just to stress this he came off you know very very normal and very uh straightforward at the beginning a little short um you know kind of that that classic nba player where it's like you know i don't want to say anything that's gonna offend um so I'll, right, give, right. I'll give the easy answer and then you know once we started to get to know each other a little bit um you know he got he opened up and even at the end i was like yeah is there anything else you want to share and he said um no nah, man I'm a, I'm a pretty boring guy i'm like dude you shot like 45 percent from three uh, for a top college basketball program and you walked back plato with me and like explained ancient greek philosophy yeah, pretty and boring. enlightenment like i don't know if i'd consider that to be a boring guy like that is like like in a room like like yeah i've had these experiences like that's like that's probably the most interesting person in that room regardless of whether or not yeah. they're like gregarious and like outward like they're that's fascinating
0: so beyond Sadiq Bay, which I think um, you know, check out that interview on HoopSype, uh, and also check out. I have a breakdown on him in this podcast, very podcast feed. So if you haven't heard about him, it's a couple of weeks back, but you can find it. Just just check your feed. Uh, a whole b- deeper breakdown on Sadiq Bay. But are there other guys, other names we should know in the Blazers range that you like? Um, just just a couple to throw out there.
1: Uh, in the Blazers range that I like, um, I mean, listen, I think. I think Tyrell Terry is in the lineage of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Um, I don't know if that is going to necessarily translate right away with him, but I think that he has a lot of the same skills you know, we saw from them and a lot of the same slights, you know, a lot of the same things that people said, like, oh, that's why they can't make it. Um, but he's an incredibly cerebral young man. And for a one-and-done guy, he really blew me away with his maturity um, and his – basketball IQ is through the roof. Uh, I reported this, but, um, NBA teams, you know, some NBA teams, I think five or six, uh, run basically a basketball analytics set where they give you an iPad and you have to, you know, make the right reads and everything. And Tyrell Terry set mm-hmm. the record, um, for the best score on that. Any prospect they've ever sent that to, um, we wow. out of the water from what I've heard. Um, so he was a young guard. He's, uh, not at all what Portland needs. Um, but,
0: but that hasn't stopped them exactly. in the past from making draft picks. They're uh they are typically searching for the best, absolute best player, highest ceiling type of thing, as opposed to specific team needs.
1: Yeah, I think he's got a really high ceiling. I think he could be a potential um regular 50 40 90 guy in the NBA. Um wow. he's not there yet, but he was close as a freshman. Um and his output wasn't like insane, you know, like he wasn't like, you know. I think, you yeah, know, wasn't shooting a ton per game. You know, he got good shot selection, but the offense isn't really running through him either. Um, so he's he's one of those guys who you might take some time to develop him, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think he's got a really high ceiling, really really high ceiling. Uh, and then the opposite end of that, um, in that in that range that I like, Desmond Bain, um, at mm-hmm. TCU, I think is the most NBA ready shooter in this class. Uh, okay, I think you know. He's he's probably the closest thing um, to what Landry Shamit had that first year that Landry had in the in the league with Philly sure. where it was like how did this guy fall he's such a good shooter um, all of the all of the ways that Desmond Bain is able to score from beyond the arc suggest elite you know suggest like okay he can shoot off the catch he can shoot off the dribble he can shoot off of screens he can shoot off of dribble handoffs he can do all those things at efficient and productive levels. And like you can't just box a bit, you know. Um, so sure, I think Desmond Bain is going to be uh, a really, really great shooter in this league, and I think you know you can kind of build some stuff out from there, right? Um, but but that's somebody who who I think should be on Portland's radar. Um, if he still if he's still there, but I think he right think if he's
0: he, on, if he's on the board,
1: I think he very likely will be unless you know Phoenix does. Um, the Cam Johnson again goes early for the shooter, which I think is possible, uh, considering that Desmond Bain is actually a repped by the same guy that repped Cam Johnson last year. Those are basically his only NBA clients. Um, so uh, there's, there is a proven track record for him, this agent, you know, getting his guy to uh, go earlier in the lottery than people may be expected, especially, um, you know, Cam Johnson was surprising. I think Desmond Bain would be even more surprising. Um, but I think in this class, uh, you're going to probably hear more surprises and the idea of a senior uh, at a TCU getting drafted in the lottery, I think in this year would probably be less surprising than ever um, because, you know, it's it's closer to comfort food, like you know what you're getting. Sure.
0: Um, There's m- think, a lot more data available. You've seen him yeah, play way more than these guys who played 29 college games
1: or four or zero. <laughs>
0: um, so in,
1: in that sense, like, yeah, like I think if you could, if you draft Desmond Bain, like I think you're gonna be really happy with your pick. Um, like I just don't see, and, I, and that's just you know guys and guys in that range. Um, there, I, there's a ton of guys like that that I that I feel you know confidently about in, in a similar way. Um, but you know I think Portland needs Portland probably needs uh, wing depth. Um, and yeah, that's my starters. my target for
0: them is that they need wings desperately.
1: So it, it, for me, I'm with you. Yeah, for me it's definitely Desmond Bain and. Sadiq Bay um, I'm sure Aaron Smith um, will be will be brought up as well if he's still on the board I think he should be um that's that's exactly his range as well um mm-hmm. I, I like I like talking to Aaron smith too I just I just struggle with the sample size there i I mean I interviewed stackhouse about this the other day too because I was curious but he was like yes yeah, you should light out some lights out in practice but he didn't I mean, I don't think you would have said otherwise. Um, but, yeah,
0: he's he's not very good. Yeah, his his <laughs>
1: freshman year numbers um, just didn't suggest that he was this level of a shooter. And fifty percent is so fifty percent from three, which is what Aaron Smith shot, is so much higher um, than anybody else shot. And that's just like that. There's some sort of outlier there. Like I can't imagine he's actually a fifty percent shooter. Um, but he's somebody that I think should be probably on on portland's mind
0: as well um you know sure um so speaking of guys who haven't played a single minute of college basketball (laughs) you reported on jay scrub and that's what i want to talk about in the third segment who the hell is jay scrub and why is he connected to the portland trailblazers that's what we'll do to close out the show still a pass first point guard still mike richmond still listening to Lockdown Blazers. And we're still here chatting with Brian Kalbrowski, a writer at HoopsHype.com and the editor of NBA Wire for USA Today. Brian, in a recent mock draft you published, you, first of all, were brave enough to mock out both rounds. Very few people out there mocking out the second round. That's real bravery. But you also had a specific call out for the Blazers at 46 with some real reporting in there. A Juco the best JUCO player in the country, Jay Scrub, connected to the Portland Trailblazers. Who is Jay Scrub?
1: Jay Scrub, man. I mean, he's kind of the the guy in this class that um, is is getting the most uh, questioning right now. Um, right. Just like because I think that uh, he, at this point it seems it would seem more surprising if he went undrafted than if he went drafted. Um, you know he he was somebody who um, uh, you know I've got a, I've got a you know close friend um you know who follows basketball at a professional level um I'm not gonna tell tell you you know what their job is so as to not reveal their identity but um they they were watching um Jay Scrubs like live Facebook feeds of of their games of his games. Um, yeah,
0: that's how, that's how junior college works. That sounds right to me.
1: Yeah. They, they were truly, um, you know, to, to get an eye for, for what he, uh, is as a player where we're literally watching Facebook's feeds, um, live streams of the games. Like that was how you do it. Um, and he looked good, man. I mean, I think he obviously, um, you know, was one of the best players on the court, uh, every time he stepped on there, but, uh, he was a you know, he was a former Louisville recruit. He could have gone to louisville right. um this year, uh, or I guess I don't know how to, what time how time works. um
0: he would have been in college the previous last season, yeah, but
1: but he could have he could have also gone this season, um okay, right? like he could have he could have you know become a a freshman at at Louisville right. this year. um so. That is kind of the one thing that I would point to, um, is that he's not just like a JUCO player who, who overperformed, right? He he also had you know, plenty of um, interest from you know a school like, uh, Louisville, which is not you know not for nothing. You know, it's a it's a big big time program. Um, I I was surprised um, to hear how much interest Portland had um you know just to be fully frank I was I was definitely surprised um you reported they met with him twice is that correct yeah and it's not it's not like one of them was like a one-on-one with Neil O'Shea too like it and it's not for, it's not for nothing like um and it's not even just that I heard about the interest in the interviews I I asked around to be like is there actually smoke here because I mean I think there are plenty of guys um who are getting multiple interviews with teams, but I'm like, I don't know if they're actually going to take that guy though. Right. Portland, I asked around to as many um, as many people as I could, just kind of being like, "Yo, are there any teams you can think of that like Jay Scrub?" And like, I hadn't seen this reported anywhere else, you know. So it's not like they all read the same thing, right? Um, right. And pretty much to a man, everybody was like, "Portland, yeah, Portland, just Portland." Nobody said anything but Portland, um, so that kind of caught me off guard, um, and I was I was really happy to to report it. Um, but you know the truth is that it does sort of line up with their line of thinking in terms of finding a guy who's a little bit unheralded. I mean that's that's the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum school of thought, but it's also you know, the Anthony Simon school. Of thought. Yeah, you know, it's exactly all things considered. Like this has been how they've done it in the past. So it, it can't be, I can't go too like, what? Like, I'm not going to go scorch girth on this. Like, yeah, like it makes some sense to me. Um, and I, I, I could see it. Um, he's, he's a big deal. Um, you know, he was one of the best players, um, you know, in the state of Kentucky. Uh, for sure. I mean, he, he knew, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was a finalist from Kentucky Mr. Basketball, uh, to high school again. So it's not, he's not, he's not just some guy who overperformed, um, at the, at the JUCO level. Um, he had, he had offers from Louisville and Memphis and Texas Tech. Um, he won, uh, the JUCO player of the year. Um, you know, I think, um, I think that he's somebody who during his two years, you know, in junior college, you know, eclipsed, you know, 20 points a game, both times, um, eclipsed six and a half rebounds, both times. Um, you know, his freshman year, especially was, was more impressive. He shot, uh, 46% from three his freshman year. Um, you know, you're still got to hit those threes to, and you know, regardless of what, uh, regardless of, um, of anything, you got to hit threes. And he, he was hitting them. Um, so Jay J scrub is a tough one for me, uh, because
0: yeah, who knows, but in the second round, what you're looking for is, is may is, you know, things that might stick, particularly if you're picking in the forties. And I think, um, sounds like the Blazers have real interest according to your reports. And if you, you know, you can take a flyer on a guy, they've been relatively successful in the second round, uh, mostly taking people from big programs like Alan Crabb and Gary Trent Jr. But, uh, you know, this is this is sort of their in some ways their mo is that they 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 target people that maybe, um, that that can pop. They can they target home runs. That's kind of Neil's thing. We talked about it the way he'll approach the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if he approached the second round in the same manner. Yeah,
1: and listen, I don't know if it's what I would do. Um, I'll <laughs> I'll just I'll just say that like, uh, and I and I like I like Jay Scrub. I I like his people um you know i like who he's associated himself with um and i'm not i'm not trying to suggest that uh it's a bad pick either because i think that um it's very possible that it, that it does make somebody look very smart um yeah,
0: i don't think being skeptical though of a of a juco guy being worth a mid-second round pick is that crazy like you know he's he's there are other, there are going to be other players on the board at the same time who you maybe have more data on, have seen play against higher level competition. like it's it, it isn't outrageous to to say like hey, this is this is a risky one. Yeah, I guess
1: the counterpoint would just be that at the end of the day, um, when you get more data on somebody, maybe you think, yeah, I don't really love what I saw." You know sure and i think that for that might be the case for all of the guys they might otherwise be looking at in the second round it's like yeah the data suggests that they're going to be like a middling to out of the league type of player they based on whatever intel they have or whatever right. data they have so i think that that's kind of where i where i fall um with uh with jay is they're like well we don't have as much data but like what we do know is that he's been you know um Really, really fantastic, and what we've seen. Um, so maybe the the ceiling is a little bit higher with him. It's not what I would do, um, but I'm not an NBA general manager,
0: right? But that, yeah, I can see the logic okay. there too. I mean, listen, I've got
1: I've got a good connection to uh, to Matt
0: Babcock, who's a
1: former NBA agent who now does draft coverage, and mm-hmm. Matt Matt seen him in person. Um, he went to his workouts. You know, met his father. Um, you know, saw his trainer, got to know all the guys and stuff, and he came away a believer. He came away. he, he said, you know. And I don't think Matt has any reason to do anyone favors right now. I think he's fairly unbiased in in his draft coverage. I think he does good work. Um, And I think that he, you know, he was like, no, this this guy's the real deal. Um, You know, I, I, the combine not having five on fives is really what drives me nuts with him. Um, He would have benefited so much from that. Um, I would have loved to have seen it uh, in, in any capacity. I mean, um, You know like Brian Bowen who didn't play college basketball uh, another right, you know com- coming out and coming into college last year or coming out of college last year um, You know was able to play in the combine and it looked fine, uh, but didn't blow anybody away uh, Which is probably one of the reasons why he went undrafted um, Whereas you know, there are guys who have played themselves into the first round during the combine. I mean Kyle Kuzma chief among them um, Sure, and regardless of whether or not that's that's smart to evaluate guys based off of combine performance I would have loved to have seen Jay in the 5-on-5 setting.
0: Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us today. If people are looking for more of your stuff, where can they find you? Uh,
1: ho- HoopSype.com. I do all the draft coverage there. And then
0: uh, <clears throat> Rookie
1: Wire, I do the mock drafts and the big boards. Um, and I'm also the editor of uh, that that general blog network. So if you see LeBron Wire, Alonzo uh, Wire... Um, Thunderwire, Rocketswire, Warriorswire, Sixerswire—like that's that's our umbrella. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I've been putting some combine stuff up today in terms of uh, guys who have tested. I think the combine results should probably come out by tomorrow. So uh, as I hear them, I'm trying to at least give some folks, you know, some stuff on that. I mean, Caleb Wesson um, is down to like 250 pounds, and he was at. 320 at one point in his life, so oh. um, you know that that's pretty cool. And he shot like 70 something percent from from three on the endurance three uh, testing. Um, you know, I'm trying to trying to do what I can. I mean, I know Mason Jones um, increased his vertical from 26 inches to last year at Arkansas to 36 inches this year in combine. Um, another radical transformation. So uh, guys have had more time to work on their testing than ever before, and I think we're starting to see. Some fantastic results from it so i'm dropping those kind of nuggets on twitter and i'll uh, i'll probably have at least a, over a dozen more um draft interviews come out between now and uh the day of the draft all
0: right well check him you can find brian i'll put all of his uh links in the description to this episode so if you're listening to this now and you want to see more of that just click on the episode description you'll will i'll make it easy for you i promise also do me a favor tell your friends about this podcast they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. We got more draft coverage coming next week. We got Mailbag Monday coming next week. If you want to get involved with that, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Send me an email at at gmail.com. Locked On Blazers still rolling. We're leading up to the NBA draft. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.